In last week's episode, we talked about the signs of childhood depression and how they often look different than those in adults. We chose that topic now because we're in a strange time when due to the pandemic, there are far fewer eyes on our children than there were when they regularly attended school, extracurriculars, and social events. Today's episode seems a natural transition between that focus and our shift for September, which is National Suicide Prevention Month. This podcast focuses on children who are old enough to know that something is going on, kids who have maybe even done some research and connected the dots to determine that what they're experiencing sounds an awful lot like depression, but who for any number of reasons are unsure how to approach an adult in their life to talk about it and to get some support. These are tips that Terry and I both wish that we had learned when we were teens. Hello, and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Today's episode is in response to a note we received from a college sophomore struggling with depression who asked us to dedicate some time to exploring how people, especially teenagers and young adults, can get past suppressing their feelings from their closest loved ones due to fears of being ridiculed. His word. He wrote, I'm afraid to tell my parents because I'm worried they'll think I'm making excuses and will tell me to simply live with the situation, to suck it up and fix myself. I know I need help. It's just that telling my family scares me. They have absolutely no idea what's been going on in my head and the absolute lack of pleasure I've felt. Mm. We are enlisting psychologist Anita Sands to reply to this letter and offer some do's and don'ts for both students and parents. If you're on either end of that equation, we hope that you listen to this episode and Dr. Sands's advice, because it could really improve the odds that a difficult conversation can also be an opportunity to work together as a family and get the help, support, and treatment students need to live mentally healthy lives. One quick note, the email was unsigned, so we chose to use the pronouns he and his since it was awkward to do an entire episode saying the student or the writer. We did try. So here is Anita Sands giving her voice to depression. First, I want to say that it's hard when your family doesn't understand or if they don't accept that you are suffering from depression and need help. It would be so much easier, I think, to to deal with depression if you felt like you had your family on your side, accepting it and, and maybe even assisting in the process of, of getting you help. 
But many people, and we're focusing on younger people in this episode, do not expect family support. And whether that's the reality of your relationship or your depression-tainted perception of it, that is your starting point for the discussion. So Anita's first tip to improve your chances of having the best possible conversation is to prepare for what could be a difficult one for your parents as well as for you. What you want to do is you want to tell your parents what you've been feeling and stress to them how it has been affecting your ability to function. So, for example, I would recommend that you say, I've been feeling tired, I've been feeling sad, and I'm not doing as well as I usually am able to in school or in the activities that I usually am able to, you know, participate in and feel really good about. And then you could give them some examples. And you just say, I just don't feel right. And nothing that I have tried has helped. And I'd like to talk to someone um, or if, if you've already sought help, I already am talking to someone who can teach me some ways to deal with this and to feel better. I think most parents care deeply about their children's ability to function, and that's what you really want to highlight. So it sounds like you're saying describe the symptoms as opposed to self-diagnose. Correct, because that leads me to my first don't, which is, yeah, you don't want to walk in and say to your parents that I'm depressed or I think I have depression without the benefit of having a professional making that diagnosis and providing a treatment plan. You know, it is okay for your parents to be a little skeptical about you making a self-diagnosis. What you're trying to stress with your parents is that something isn't right and you need help. And you can mostly talk about the symptoms, the way it's affecting you, as opposed to labeling yourself as being depressed or having depression. Again, the student who wrote us said he feared actually being ridiculed by his family. In that situation or if the conversation just feels too big to have alone. Anita says enlist an ally who your parents trust. So that might be um, your family doctor, a close family friend, or um, even a member of the family that they simply respect. So what you're looking for is, is someone who you think will hear you out and listen to what you have to say and then be able to sort of advocate for you with your parents. Um, kind of the first thing it sounds like the student is thinking the parents are going to do is say, listen, you can deal with this. So you need someone who, who can advocate for you and say, you have done everything that you can do. And we kind of need to go to the next level of, of intervention with, with, uh, with the issue. Anita says timing is another important factor to consider. If things are already tense at your home, if a holiday meal or gathering has the focus, or if your parent or parents had a rough day at work, hold off if possible until there's a more opportune time to talk. So you want to try to find a time where it's quiet, you're not likely to be interrupted, people are, I would say, the least stressed that they're going to be, and you would improve your chances of of not getting sort of a knee-jerk reaction where people just feel like, I can't deal with this too. Anita's next point is an important one. Even if the people you'd like support and understanding from can't or won't give it, you still have to take care of yourself. So no matter how the conversation with your family goes, if you need help for what you know or believe is depression or another mental disorder, please get it. So you just don't want to let that be a barrier to you moving forward and getting that help. You just may never get the understanding that you would ideally like to have. 
So whether or not your family understands or helps, you've got to go to the school counseling center? Yes, yes. The center is an excellent first resource. And, and, you know, for someone who is already over the age of 18, they have that ability. For minors, their school's counselor or their youth minister, teachers, coaches um, are excellent resources to turn to as gateways to getting them to resources for counseling. And again, can serve as those allies or those advocates to talk with parents about the need for, you know, getting, getting some extra help for their kids. The student, like many we've talked to, feels like he should be grateful and not depressed because of the many opportunities and friends he has. You want to stop doing what we call um, shooting on yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, saying that you should be grateful um, for what you have in your life is is something that we, we want you to avoid because part of depression is being unable at many points to feel the good things in life. Mm-hmm. Depression sort of robbing you of being able to feel happiness and peace and joy and gratitude And also that feeling that you're valuable and that you're worthy of good things. Anita reminds a person can be aware of their blessings and still not be able to feel them when they're depressed. You're not really ungrateful just because you recognize that things need to be better in your life and you would like to seek help to to have them be better. As the student writer reminds, it is so, so hard to distinguish our self-destructive thoughts as symptoms of depression and not damning truth. There's nothing wrong with you because there is something wrong. Depression isn't a, a character defect. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you have done something wrong. It, it does make things go wrong in your life, but it isn't about you. Um, the you is still good and, and it's just buried underneath that depression. And we just need to do whatever we have to do, whether it's with medication, therapy, and making use of whatever resources are available to sort of lift that depression off of you so that that you that is just fine and always has been and and always will be can kind of come out. Mm, That's a really nice point because you do not feel just fine. You don't, oh, I remember you think you have lost your worth. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 you know, we always say that depression lies. And that is certainly one of the things that depression tells you is that, you know, life is pointless. You are worthless. Nothing matters. It's all of those terrible, awful, awful lies. And that's one of the worst ones. I think, you know, the people who suffer with depression, so many of the folks I, I, I work with are just wonderful people. But there's no way in the world that when the depression has really, really got them in their grip that they would ever feel that way. So this was obviously uh, in response to the student. I'm wondering if before we leave, we should directly address parents. Yes. Sort of a, if your kid comes home and says, hey, something's wrong, mm-hmm. how, what is the healthy, supportive, proper way to respond so that your child has the best chance of living his or her best life? The first thing is that what your child is going to want most from you is not to try to fix anything or to tell them what to do or certainly not to minimize things and tell them that they're really fine and, or, or like the student is thinking, just you know, suck it up. They're really going to want you to listen. Asking questions is fine, but to really listen, working as a team as opposed to you know, trying to fix it is really, really important. Dr. Sand says two reasons parents can be afraid to talk about their children's depression are opening the mental door to the possibility of losing a child to suicide and the fear of being judged or blamed for their child's illness.
that somehow they're going to be seen as, you know, they've been bad parents or they've done a, a bad job or something like that. And we really need to get over, um, again, this whole idea that, that somehow somebody's causing, you know, uh, depression that way. We know that that depression is, of course, um, there, there are many, many factors that are related to it. And no psychologist or therapist or psychiatrist is ever going to think less of a parent who is actively helping to get help for their child who has depression. It's exactly the opposite. They're going to think more of them. And they're going to be grateful for any parent who can recognize signs and symptoms of depression in their child or who has just been willing to listen to their child's reporting to them of how they're feeling and how they're being affected by you know, their, their symptoms and then seek help or support them in, in getting help for that. Anita says nobody expects parents to be perfect or to raise children with no mental health issues, particularly, she says, in this day and age. It is not a reflection on the parent. If your child is depressed or is suffering from any type of mental health issue, we need to get over this. We need to bury that um, so that we can just move more quickly on to tell me what's going on, tell me how it's affecting you, and then let's get you help. That's what your child is looking for. That's what they need. That's what could save their life. Wow, Terry, I am flooded with like visceral memories of being on my dorm room floor crying and feeling utterly worthless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done without you being there to listen to me and reflect back to me my value. I love you so much, Terry. <laughs> Thank you. But I think of the kids, you know, and, you know, we did not have great easy times in college, you know, who don't have anybody. And uh, it, it's really hard. So, and as much as we want to think that, Everybody's going home to, you know, a Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving and their parents are loving and supportive. It just isn't the case. So, nope. you know, if it's going to be a difficult conversation, Anita's tips are fabulous. Um, and as you and I discussed this morning, if your parents really, parent or parents, really aren't the people to have that discussion with for any number of reasons, find another trusted adult, but get the help you need. Exactly. I mean, you can just start with someone who's safe. Get your feet, you know, get some resources, mm-hmm. even just the practice of saying it out loud and then loop back to your parents later, you know, if that feels right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, as, as Dr. Sand said, get the help you need regardless of what your home situation is. If you're in high school, there are school guidance counselors you can start with. If you're in college, there are other resources available to you. So please do what you have to do to take care of yourself because it can last Depression can just last for what feels like ever if you don't take any steps to redirect or to get yourself out of that hole. We can both tell you that. And bravo to the listener who posed this situation in question. That's reaching out for help. I mean, the process has already begun. Absolutely. It's it's wonderful. And thanks, Anita, for always giving such practical, applicable, real insights. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.
We will be back next week with all new episodes focusing on suicide prevention. Until then, be well.